Hey there, future fans. It is time for my Top Gun Maverick review. Just like always, the first half will be spoiler free. The second half, I will go into a little more detail about certain aspects of the movie that I like that would be considered spoilers. So fear not, I give you plenty of warning. And without further ado, here's my review. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. Welcome to the show that is right. It is time for my Top Gun Maverick review. I went to the theater at 11 a.m. on Friday and saw it. And now here I am to tell you about it. Just in case you don't know, let me tell you the premise and who's in it. And then I will talk about things I got wrong when I talked about the movie in the last episode. Not spoiler filled, of course. And then we will move on with the show. So let's say that Top Gun Maverick is a nationwide release. After more than 30 years of service as one of the Navy's top aviators, Pete Mitchell is where he belongs, pushing the envelope as a courageous test pilot and dodging the advancement in rank that would ground him. This stars Tom Cruise from Top Gun, Jennifer Connelly from The Rocketeer, Miles Teller from Whiplash, Val Kilmer from Top Gun, Bashir Salahuddin from Southside, John Hamm from Baby Driver, Charles Parnell from The Last Ship, Jay Ellis from Insecure, Danny Ramirez from The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Glenn Powell from Hidden Figures. So when I talked about this movie on the show, I also included Manny Jacinto from The Good Place, and he's barely in it, so I don't think that's a spoiler, since it doesn't actually involve the plot. There's two Asian pilots, and they you, you see them once or twice, maybe in the background of a couple shots, but they do not matter. You could have 100% took them out of the movie, and this movie would be the same. And while I am disappointed that the Asians didn't play a bigger role, I thought this movie was great. I had a wonderful time, but I did get some things wrong about the premise because I didn't gather this from the trailer, but he's not going back to Top Gun. And I don't count that as a spoiler because it's one of the first things you learn. So I was wrong about that. I don't think there's anything else I was wrong about, but of course, if you saw the movie and you remember what I said about it, let me know. But this movie is very, is very basic. It has Maverick starting out doing his thing as a test pilot. Something happens. He gets sent to help train these kids. I mean, they're adults, but to him, they're kids. And as you would expect, Maverick has a problem with authority. Weird for him, right? But the movie unfolds like you think it would. It is very formulaic, especially when it comes to the first film. And while it is clearly a different movie, it's not just a rehashing of it. It still is familiar without feeling like someone just slapped a fresh coat of paint on the first premise. So everything from the premise to the pacing, it's all just, it all just works so well. And even though I would never call Top Gun Maverick a great movie in the sense of cinema as a form of art... It's not that great, but as far as a blockbuster goes, it is really good. This is a solid film. And we even have a cast of characters just like you'd expect. Glenn Powell's Hangman, that's his uh, character's handle, is just like Iceman. 
I mean, not exactly like him. There are a couple things that hopefully when you watch, you'd notice that no, Iceman wouldn't have done that. But how he gets along with Rooster, played by Miles Teller, is very, very reminiscent of the Maverick-Iceman relationship. And all of the other pilots just kind of fall into place. I mean, it's not a one-to-one -one comparison with people that came before them, but it fits. The interaction and the banter between them just works. And Tom Cruise has some really good scenes. It is easy to forget that he is a talented actor. There are a couple of scenes where he had to show a wide array of motion and he knocked it out of the park. Because Tom Cruise is a seasoned pro. He knows what to do. And he knows what kind of roles he can and cannot do. And by this point, he doesn't try to do anything out of his wheelhouse because he does something, he does it well. I think the most out of his wheelhouse he's, he's gone is his role in Magnolia. Because remember, he's that sleazy pickup artist guy that has to reunite with his dying father right before he dies. They have to make amends. And then him in Tropic Thunder. And it's a shame we never got the spinoff movie of his Tropic Thunder character. And was it Top Gun or was it the Mission Impossible? I forgot what he was working on. And it was during COVID. And some people were f***ing around not wearing masks and he got on their case. Tom Cruise, despite all of his Scientology weirdness, takes movies seriously. It seems like he treats people well. He just seems really nice. I like the guy, despite the obvious glaring downside. And you, you listening right now, know if you are a fan of Tom Cruise. Or maybe you're not a fan of him as a person, but you like his movies. Or you hate him and you're kind of hoping I'm going to shit on this film. Well, I hate to tell you I'm not going to shit on the film. I had a tremendous amount of fun. So let's talk about the fact that so much of this movie was real. The flying around in the jets were real. Tom Cruise flew his own jet. There's this one crazy scene, this very high-risk scene in the movie, and Tom Cruise actually did it. They had to get permission from the Navy to film flying the plane below 50 feet, below 5-0 feet. A f***ing jet 50 feet off the ground and at speeds of up to 600 miles per hour. And he did it. He did it himself. And not just that, but all of the actors who fly planes in this are flying their own planes. So not just Tom Cruise, but Monica Barbo, Jay Ellis, Glenn Powell, and Miles Teller. Like if you saw them flying a plane in the movie, they were really flying that jet. And in this article I read by Variety, written by Jazz Tenke, they started out just flying a Cessna, and then it went up and up and up and up till they were flying these jets. So these dogfight scenes, these, these scenes of them flying around was really them. I love that so much. It makes it so much cooler that all of the cool dogfights, everything you see was real. And that right there is a the power of Tom Cruise. I think if anyone else was behind this movie, I'm not sure if they could have done that. I mean, who knows? Maybe they could have. But it's a, it's a marriage of the fact that it was Top Gun 2 and still starring Tom Cruise that all of these people got to know. So now all of these actors know how to fly a plane. And that really helped with the suspension of disbelief because you didn't have to disbelieve anything. And there wasn't any obvious green screen. It looked real because it was real. Because if you remember in last week's episode, when I said, 
oh, is everything going to be realistic? And I judged it. I said, no, it's probably not going to be. Yeah, it was. There's one scene, though, I'm not sure if it's realistic. And if you remember in the first Top Gun, when Maverick and Goose are talking about giving the enemy MiG the bird, if you remember what happened right then, that same thing happens again. And I don't know if that's possible. And if it is, I'm not sure if they would let them do that. And anytime something's blown up or crashes, I really doubt they really blew up a super expensive fighter jet. So yeah, maybe not every single thing really happened. But you know what, God, it's Tom Cruise. Who knows? But look, this movie is it. This is it. This is a good film. This movie is pure, pure, unadulterated entertainment. And if you liked Top Gun, the first one, at all, and if you think this movie at least looked a little entertaining, or you were a little curious, then go see it. See it tomorrow. See it next week. See it the week after. But see it in theaters. It deserves to be seen on the big screen. Even if you're a huge Bob's Burgers fan, which also came out this week, nothing about that movie needs the big screen, no matter how good it is, because it's just Bob's Burgers, which is a hilarious and wonderfully done show. Do not get me wrong. But just like the Simpsons movie, or just like some of Disney's films, they don't really need the big screen. I didn't mind watching Soul, or Turning Red, or Encanto on the small screen. And you wouldn't miss Bob's Burgers on the big screen, unless you're like a super fan, then sure, do your thing. But this is the movie you need to see. The story is good, the acting is good, the effects are amazing, because they're actually real sh** that's happening. They pay proper homage to the first one. The events of the first movie come up, and it's important to how this movie pans out. And this new cast of characters, they're good. They're likable. Even Glenn Powell's asshole hangman. You're just like, man, I want to punch you in your smug f***ing face, but I still kind of like you. Just like Iceman. You need to see this movie. You need to see this movie. I am... God, I watched this movie nine hours ago. I, I had to do a bunch of yard work and shit around the house, so I didn't get to record it right away. But I watched this movie nine hours ago, and I am still excited. Tom Cruise does not disappoint. I mean, much. Hell, War of the Worlds wasn't a great film, but it was fun. The worst Tom Cruise blockbuster is still enjoyable. That's the kind of star he is. My only critique, the only thing I would have liked, besides seeing the Asians more, am I right? Is Jennifer Connelly's character. She was great. She has a good character. But I wish she existed to be more than Maverick's love interest. That kind of feels like a like 80s, 90s holdback. I mean, to be fair, she was more complex than Charlie was. And honestly, as far as leading ladies... In 80s action films, Charlie wasn't bad. But I remember reading, and they kind of alluded to Penny, played by Jennifer Connelly, they kind of alluded to the fact that there was a history with Penny and the whole thing with the Admiral, that she was an Admiral's daughter, and he got in trouble because he, like, slept with her. But they just kind of alluded to that. I think as an Easter egg for people who may have remembered the first movie, and that real small tidbit. But as far as this movie goes, that's not a big bad thing. Monica Barbo's Phoenix was a good character, and we had Jennifer Connelly playing a, 
a woman who has her shit together and she didn't need Maverick. It's not like she's like, oh, woe is me. What am I going to do in my life without a man? It's just kind of like they imply that they had this history. So basically the worst thing about this movie wasn't that bad at all. And I, I'm struggling to think right now how Top Gun Maverick could have been better, how it could have wowed me even more. And I don't know. Honest to God, I don't know what they could have done. Anything else, like bringing it back other people from the previous movie or making the stunts and stuff even bigger may have felt a little tryhard. I think Top Gun Maverick is the perfect summer movie. It did everything well. And even as far as representation goes, it wasn't bad. Am I disappointed that the Asians really didn't play a big role? Yeah, but the rest of the representation wasn't bad. And these days, that's really an important thing. And Top Gun Maverick does pretty good. So my future friends, let me wrap this up with a score. Go see this movie. Go do it. It is so good. It is well worth your time. Top Gun Maverick gets an 11 out of 11. Yes, a perfect, oh my God, score. A perfect mind-blowing score. Because a 10, a 9, they are still really good. But an 11 means this movie knocked it out of the park. So, my friends, let us jump into our one and only break. And after the break, we will talk about specifics of the movie. So we're done with the review part, just specifics of the film that might be considered spoilers by some. So stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. All right, my friends, we are back. We are back with the spoiler-filled section. So if you do not want any spoilers for this film, you have until three, two, one. I can't believe they killed Iceman. See, that's right. I go hard right after the countdown. So I really liked how they did how they did Iceman, because if you remember on the show, I said I had two ideas how they do it. They would have him be voiced over by his son, just like they did in the documentary he did. The, his son narrated the documentary or they would have him be himself, but give him a disease or something. I believe it was throat cancer. And so he had that one scene with Maverick, because of course he was texting Maverick through the whole movie. Then they have that scene about midway through, and he only says one line, and you can tell it's hard for him. But then later when they kill him, I don't know if that was the best choice, but hey, I didn't make the movie. But Maverick had to deal with that. He is still hurting from the loss of Goose, still blames himself, and then he still has to deal with the fact that Rooster Bradley doesn't like him because of something his mother Bradley's mother asked him to do that he's lying, saying it was his idea, just so Bradley's mother, who's now dead, gets a perfect reputation in his mind. So Maverick has all of that on his head. And I think Tom Cruise, as always, does a really good job of showing that. 
But let's talk about the mission. I liked this mission. I liked the fact that there is some uranium enriching plant or something that has to be taken care of. And I also like that we don't know what country it's in. That's a very political move for the movie to make. What Top Gun Maverick did really well is making the mission seem really f***ing scary and really impossible. Because the whole movie I kept trying to guess who I thought was going to die. Because when John Hamm and Charles Parnell are telling Maverick about the mission, it seems like it is a suicide mission, that someone isn't going to make it. And I like that the odds that were stacked against them are very realistic odds. It's not like, oh, come on, that would never happen. No, that could very well happen. But here's my question. Here's what I don't know, because they said they're going up against fifth generation fighters. Did they have no fifth generation fighters available? Did the United States Navy really not have any available? Because here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking the reason they didn't have them is because they didn't want to give the actors these actual high-tech, super, super expensive fighters to fly, just in case. So they gave them the previous generation fighters. But I just wish there was like one line of dialogue which would explain it. Like, oh, we need to do this so fast and all of these other fighters are like busy. Or this very specific part of the mission can't be done by these fifth gen fighters. It can only be done by the previous generation. Just something which would explain why the United States Navy in this movie could not send any high-tech fighters to do this mission. So while logically, in a behind-the-scenes sense, there's a good explanation as to why, within the confines of the narrative, I don't get it. So all of these things, these negatives I'm saying now, that I couldn't talk about in the previous section, still aren't enough to do anything to negatively impact the score. Because even though it's something I thought of, like I actually thought of as a movie was going on, it's still just fine. Another thing I noticed is, remember that they said that they were going to have like two teams going out. They're going to have a team or two on standby, just in case. And they had more than enough people to fill these roles. Thus, where the Asian I was talking about and all the other people went, like that second wave of people who came in after Maverick and Rooster and... Phoenix, Bob, Payback, Fanboy, and Hangman were all already at the the bar. So when uh, Fritz, Halo, Coyote, Harvard, and Yale, I think, were some of the other ones. And this is me pulling their names from IMDb. I did not remember that. But what happened to them? They just kind of disappeared. I would have at least liked one little scene explaining what happened to them. Hell, Maverick or Cyclone or Warlock could have turned to them and go, Sorry, you didn't make the cut. Better luck next time. And there's one more thing, one final thing that did bug me, is in the final scene. So we have Maverick and Rooster in the F-14. The same plane, the same jet that Maverick and Goose flew. And they were being targeted by that fifth generation fighter. So it's targeting them, they're going to die. And then who comes out of nowhere and saves them but Hangman. It is a great scene. But didn't the fighter know it was being targeted? Wouldn't it bug out instead of just trying to keep that bead on Maverick and Rooster? So that's it. Those were my problems with the movie. And that's not bad. It's really not bad. None of those problems, even all of them together, did nothing to take away from how much I enjoyed this film. One thing I actually do wonder, did Tom Cruise himself, and for that matter, the, the other pilots, did they actually hit 10 Gs 
They may have really been flying the jets, but what was going on? Was that actually happening? Like, I believe they did the maneuvers and stuff, but were they really at a risk of blacking out? There, there are still questions I have that don't really need answering because f*** it. It's a fun film. But something I liked was near the end when we have Maverick and Rooster behind enemy lines and they're stealing the jet. That added such a new aspect to what we expected out of a Top Gun film. We don't expect them running around behind enemy lines stealing a plane. The first Top Gun, they all took off from their aircraft carrier, did a battle, came back. It didn't have any of those elements, so it was just something new and fun. I also like that the volleyball scene wasn't actually volleyball, it was football, which seems like a stupid thing to change, but, but it was different enough and similar enough from the volleyball scene in the first movie to work. And let's talk about that scene after Maverick gets kicked out of the bar for the first time because he can't pay the tab. And he's looking in at Brad, or Bradley, who is starting to play the piano. And what does he play? He plays Great Balls of Fire, just like his dad did. And so we see Maverick staring into the bar, shocked at the memories it's bringing back, that he's still not over the death of his best friend, that I'm pretty sure he blames himself for because I forgot who it was, but someone in the movie made a point of bringing up that he was not responsible for that. But there he is looking in, looking heartbroken. Jennifer Connelly sees this and in that instant learns so much about the man he is now. And then later, after they have sex and Maverick is trying to sneak out of the house so Jennifer Connelly's daughter doesn't see Penny. Penny's daughter doesn't see. He gets caught anyway, and the daughter says, just don't break her heart again. Even this girl who's like 15, 16, even she knows Maverick's reputation. So it makes Maverick question that because it's not like he laughs it off and goes, oh, ho, ho, silly child, I'll do what I want because I'm an alpha. No, it says something to him. So Maverick's growth during this movie is good. Maverick had growth in the first film, learning to work with others. And in this film, he learned to forgive himself and basically how to accept love. Maverick is a good, complex character, especially for a summer blockbuster. This movie just works on all levels and it's a lot of fun. Like I said, anything bad I have said about it did nothing to take away from my enjoyment. And actually, one last thing, during the movie, talking about Hangman's character, I was worried that we wouldn't get any growth out of him because he was the asshole. And just like in the first Top Gun, Iceman was the asshole. He did have a little bit of learning to do too. He changed a little. But because Hangman didn't get to go on that final mission because he was sitting in reserve, his only redemption before the mission started was him telling Rooster to basically be safe and go out there and crush it. I forgot his exact words, but that was around what he said. But then when he comes out and saves them, that kind of goes back to the beginning when they're dogfighting in practice and he bugs out and leaves his wingman. And Phoenix comments, why do you think we call him Hangman? Because he hangs you out to dry. So that answers for his off-screen crimes of abandoning his wingmen or wing people. So this is a well-rounded movie. I don't think there's anything they really dropped the ball on. I already want to see it again, but COVID still a thing. 
I don't think I'll see it in the theaters again, but the minute it comes out, I am buying it. If they announce a steelbook, which I really think they are, I'm going to buy it. I can't stress this enough, but go see this movie. Stay safe doing it, wear your mask, distance as much as you can in a theater, but go see this movie. Top Gun Maverick is a great film. You know what? The minute I post this episode, I'm going to think of something else and I know it. I know I'm going to think of something else the minute I can't turn back. Well, my future friends, that is it for this episode. I hope you liked my review of Top Gun Maverick. Please remember to rate the podcast wherever you can on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or the bigger two. Remember to share the show, please, with your friends. That is how we grow here. Reach out to me. You can always reach out to me. Give me a question, a comment, or just say hi. You can find all of my contact info in the link tree in the show notes. But I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I'm a little more active on Twitter now. I'll get better at Instagram. And I know I always say that, but I promise I will soon. Follow me on Letterboxd as well. Stay up to date with all the movies I watch and my reviews of them. Don't forget to check out the great friends of the show, the somewhat nerdy radio podcast and we're doing fine robbie and lisa but my future friends remember that no matter where life takes you no matter what your week has in store just take some time to catch a flick i'm billiam from somewhat nerdy signing off and i'll see you in the future